0: Welcome to Wealth Curve Talk, hosted by John L. Smallwood, a certified financial planner and president of Smallwood Wealth Management, with over 30 years experience helping people with wealth management strategies, financial planning, business ownership, and Estate planning, insurance, and more. John shares insight with you that you can use to gain financial confidence and peace of mind. And now, here's your host, best selling author and six time, five star Wealth Manager Award winner, John L. Smallwood.
1: So here we are. We're live and we're on Wealth Curve Talk, and we're going to be talking about the most valuable asset in the room. Can anybody guess what that is? It's your ability to earn income. I have my partner, Edward Bao, on the line today, and we have a very special guest, Alicia Kane from Ohio National. She's the disability specialist for the entire country.
2: Um, I'd like to think so, but no, it's just New England and Ohio.
1: <laughs> okay. So the real part of the world. We're going to be talking about how important disability coverage is. We're going to be talking about how... This is probably one of the most underinsured assets that that is out there, one of the most misunderstood. Um, People spend more money on car insurance than they do on their disability coverage. Um, And a lot of people believe they have it at their employer, and they don't. We find out, right, Ed?
3: They they sometimes have just short-term disability, not long-term, which is not good.
1: So, Alicia, jump in and give me the – the you know, the two minute pitch on why this is so important.
2: Well, I think first and foremost, um, John, you just nailed it when you said that a lot of people think that they have something that they really don't have. Um, I think we find in most cases, um, you're you know, you're working with professionals. you're working with people who work in in you know corporate America. And you know they're so used to going and um, enrolling for their enroll their benefits um, on an annual basis, and they're checking the boxes, short term, long- term disability, and really have no understanding at all as to what they're signing up for, or what they actually have. And when they realize what they have, it's too late. They're going to file a claim and then realize that they don't have something that they thought that they did have. Um, I think the other thing is, too, is, is that a lot of people have misconceptions about having disability insurance and protecting their income. Um, I work for a white collar industry. I sit at a desk. I'm working from home right now. I'm not climbing a roof. I'm OK. I don't need disability insurance. I'm not going to, to get hurt. Um, 90% of disability claims that are filed are illness-based. So working in a white-collar industry and working behind a desk, it's not going to protect you from becoming disabled um, from an illness. So um, there's quite a few different things that we could look at um, that are really kind of the shortfalls, but I'd say those are probably the two biggest ones and really what people have to put in perspective when they think about protecting their income. This
1: is the thing that really kind of gets to me too, right? Where you look at, and let's say somebody's making ten thousand a month, one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, right? That is what is driving their savings rate. It's driving their mortgage payments, their food, their education, you know, everything that they're doing in their lives, right? And they, if you're self-employed and you don't have you, and you haven't purchased anything, you become disabled. Tomorrow, there's no income coming in. All your consulting stops. If you work for an employer and they happen, happen to have disability coverage, it might be 50 or 60% with a cap for a certain monthly benefits. So let's just say, for example, it's 50%. That's $5,000 a month. You're making 10. Most people have trouble living on 10. How are they going to live on 5? All right, And then it has all these like all these traps that are in these that are in these contracts and everything that you were hoping that was going to happen in your life is now not going to happen because you're suffering a disability. And most people that I talk to when they are disabled, their expenses actually go up. They don't go down
2: and they progressively will continue to go up if they remain disabled and it can affect their spouses because maybe their spouse now needs to stay at home and take care of them. And if they've got children, and does it affect their education and not being able to go to certain schools that they've been going to? So it's a domino effect. But I think I think the, the big thing here, John, is is you know you're, you're talking through they don't realize that they're they're going to be their benefits may be capped through their employer plan, and they're you know now they have to live off of five thousand versus ten thousand and. All of this is around education. They're just—they're not educated as to what they have, what the gaps of coverage are, where the pitfalls are, and the other big piece of it is too—is this is something that's not talked about. When's the last time we saw a commercial on disability insurance? It's not talked about. We see the life insurance. Yeah. The retirement planning. We don't see any of the we don't see anyone talking about those types of things. So it's not in the forefront. It's not what people are thinking about. And when you have someone who's talking with them about it, do you have disability insurance? You're protecting your income. I've got something through my employer. And a lot of times, unfortunately, we're working with professionals out there who don't who insurance professionals who are also not educated on disability insurance. So when someone tells them I've got disability insurance through my employer, the conversation stops. So they're not digging into the facts and getting them to understand. So it's, it's unfortunate. I think the big piece of it is it's just not, it's not talked about. It's not talked about. We don't see the commercials.
3: I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, the thing that, so I, I think a lot of it, th- there's poor education. You're right. They, they sign up for it. They really, you know, I was on the corporate side a long time ago, and I did the same thing. I checked the box, and I got it right. And you're like, you have no perspective on what you're doing on that side of the business. So, and there, and again, everybody doesn't think maybe that it's even going to happen to them. So, do you have any st- statistics on, you know, disability and what the you know what the potential is for somebody to become disabled?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, the, the statistics have pretty much stayed steady. Um, you know, there's a, there's a great website that I, I, I know that you all have been on, um, that disabilitycanhappen.org. And every time I go on that website um, to see different statistics and, and you know, um, common causes for disability, it's remained pretty constant over probably the last 15 to 20 years. Um, that they've been reporting this information, it's it's one in four working Americans, and it it may be a you know a disability that's a short term disability, it may be a disability that's a long term disability. I will say this that most long term disabilities will start as partial, they're partial disabilities. Maybe they can't work full time, maybe they can't do all the duties of their job, and it progressively becomes a total disability. Um, So that's another thing. A lot of people have misconceptions as to, well, you know, I can't imagine I'd ever become so disabled I couldn't work. Well, that may be true, but you may be disabled to where you can only work part-time. Cancer is a really, really good example of that. People who are going through cancer treatments and and are diagnosed with cancer maybe can't work full-time because of the treatments and what they're going through, and it may unfortunately become a situation where they become terminally ill or, or, you know, the cancer has reached a stage where they're not able to work at all. So, um, it, you know, I would say one in four. Um, what I did think was really interesting is I came across a statistic um, and it was specific to social security disability. So I don't want to go in too deep into social security disability because that's a wormhole that unfortunately doesn't really ever have any positive or good news to it. Um, But social security disability is another thing that a lot of people seem to depend on. I've got benefits through my employer. If I became disabled, I I would file with the government, with social security. And the reality of it is, is, is that most people, when you apply for disability benefits, Typically, almost every single situation, unless you are expected to die that within a year, it gets shot down. Your claim will get shot down. So many people go through the appeals processes. Now, with the appeals processes, there are statistics out there that show that most people pass away before that that appeal is ever seen or they'll pass away before a benefit's ever paid. My mom is, is an example of that. My mom was disabled for many years. She was trying to file a claim and, and appealing the process for almost three years. She passed away before she ever had anything. So um, I thought that was pretty that was pretty frightening. Is that most people they're they're filing with Social Security and they pass away before they even get an answer or um, you know before the appeal ever goes through. So the, the possibility is absolutely out there.
1: When you come to our offices, or you drive by the offices here in Red Bank, you'll see a sign on the bottom of our uh, Smallwood Wealth Management sign, and it says "Bloom Again," and that's a found that that foundation is the New Jersey chapter. Uh, the woman who founded us out in California, her name is Lois Frankel, and um, she was she was very she's a very successful person. And she had she was in the hospital; she had you know some issues, and she was surrounded by women. Who were, did not have disability coverage, did not have the benefits to continue their things. And she realized they couldn't make their rent payments. They couldn't, they're suffering through these things. So she created this foundation to help women who are going through situations, you know, medical issues that have trouble meeting the rent. And they'll pay the rent and they'll do these things. But most of the women could have afforded. To purchase disability insurance on their own or through their employer, sometimes people opt out of it, right? And there, so so when you start to look at this, that's a foundation that was created to help the problem and the problem, the solutions out there. And I think, I think the thing that's we in our in our planning process in our wealth curve software, we have a disability simulation strategy, right? And we will show somebody, you know if you're on track you're going to have you know the the couple million dollars that you hope that you're going to have but if you become disabled you know you'll be out of money in 26 months or 36 months or you might be fine most cases it's not right and that the disability why it seems expensive for a lot of people it when you know Ed and I talk about financial pressure and we talk about we we talk about financial leaks there's money leaking out of people's household budgets in interest costs and unnecessary finance charges and, you know, having 52 different streaming services that I can't believe how many of them I have at the moment, right? Me (laughs) too. Right? And Mm -hmm. it's like, if you just said, you know, let let me go in and find the money. And that's what Ed and I, that's what we do in the financial planning process is we try to find the money so that we're utilizing money... That was being spent, in you know, fr- not frivolously, but, you know, not getting any value for it. But when we simulate our strategies, we're assuming that the client's reducing their savings rate to purchase it. Right. And what that does is it creates like an opportunity cost. And that's what people are afraid of that. Hey, I am not going to become disabled at between now and 65, and if I do that, if I put two or $3,000 a year into this coverage, I'm gonna lose a lot of money in my retirement. But the reality is, if we go in and we find the, the, the waste and, and, and the money, we find that money, now you're on both tracks. But even that, you have to think about it. I have that job that pays me $120,000 a year. No disability coverage. I go out and I purchase disability coverage out in the open market on my own, and it cost me $3000. So would I rather have a job for 117,000 that has full disability coverage or a job for 120,000 that leaves me naked, right? And vulnerable. I that that's the that's the perspective. My feeling is it's the most valuable asset. It's everything that you've done to this point has been because you've been able to get up and go to work and produce. You you get accelerated you get your contacts. You get your job promotions by being present. If you're, you know, a couple of years ago, my father blew his back out. He, no interest in doing anything. Didn't care. Didn't care. You know, he's completely disabled now, but he's in his 70s, so it's a different perspective. But it's, it's a, it's so misunderstood in the foundation of coverage and overlooked for so many different reasons. And, and I, I'm making a point of this is because at the foundation of every plan should be a solid protection plan. Like you're building a house, you need a solid foundation. If you're building a house on the beach, it needs to be with pylons. If you're building on a rock foundation, I don't know what that is. It's concrete, I guess. <laughs> and blasting into the concrete, right? Right. I just a visual with the beach, mm-hmm. right? But I have to have the right foundation for what it is. And group insurance why it's free sometimes or you're going to pay a bit extra has some has some loopholes in it that I thought maybe we could just spend a couple of minutes and talking about some of the common traps and problems that you see for people that, you know, work for the big company that provides the, the coverage for them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And if I could just make one comment. So there's a lot of um, financial professionals that I'll work with that are new into the business. And, you know, when they come into the business, they may be mentoring with someone who's focused just on the life insurance or just on retirement planning. And, you know, they understand disability insurance is important, but they really struggle with um, the context and, and kind of creating the picture around why it's so important and especially when you're working with a client and you're trying to sell them life insurance or something else or a retirement plan or helping them to invest, and then you're right, they, they bring up this disability insurance and there's a price tag to it and they get nervous and know that's too expensive and they want to shut it down immediately because they don't want to lose a life sale. They don't want to lose the investment opportunity. When in reality, you know, what I tried to to coach them with, I said, in reality, I said, you know, be visual about it. I said, you know, get out a yellow pad and just simply just, you know, what are what are your goals personally and professionally? Write them out on the yellow pad. What is the one common denominator, the one thing that you need for every single one of those goals, whether it's personally or professionally? You need positive cash flow. Okay, well what if you became disabled? It doesn't matter the 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 beach house that you're wanting, the life insurance, the retirement planning, the education planning, the legacy planning. Think of disability insurance as a wrapper. It's the wrapper around all of those things that we're sitting here trying to create for you. If you became disabled, it stops the cash flow, all of these goals personally and professionally, stop. Stop. Mm. So you know, stop. and when I dead. when
1: I dead in the track.
2: Absolutely. And we, you know, and talking with some of these young professionals and young clients, they get it at that point. And when you start to instill a little bit of that, I don't want to say fear, but you instill a little bit of that into their mind and go, oh my God, you know, all these dreams, all these things that I've worked so hard for could stop if I don't have, take disability out of the conversation, you're stopping the cash flow and the conversation takes a turn and it goes a different direction. Um, so that's what I want is because it, it goes hand in hand with what you were just saying about really it being the foundation, um, switching gears in terms you know, of talking,
1: oh. talking about those, talking about those, those dreams for a second. I just want to stop there for a second. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, I've been doing this now for over 30 years. It'll be 31 years in actually May. It's 31 years. It's my anniversary. Well, oh, congratulations yeah. to you. <gasps>
2: I turned 31 I this month. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> I graduated college 31 years ago. Um, oh, my God. But, um
2: and shaking his head because he knows I hate my birthday.
1: So <laughs> Yeah. But I remember sitting here going, you know, I have all these goals. I have all these dreams. And one of the things was I determined not only did I buy the maximum disability insurance for myself, I put a waiver of premium on all my life insurance policies, which pay the premiums. if their permanent policy pays the permanent policy, so the savings continues. But I also purchased something called business overhead insurance, which said, if I'm disabled, and I'm out of here for a while. I need to have money coming into the business to keep the business afloat. We might need to hire somebody. We might need to, you know, yeah. either is John coming back or is John going to sell? Or are we going to sell the business? Cause John's not coming back. And, it, when he if he is coming back had better be here when he gets back right right right
3: that's the yeah. thing but,
1: you know if i'm gone out of this business for a while like how long will the business sustain itself right right and you know it's the it's those dreams and those goals that i would you know i i remember when i bought one of the policies i you know my kid who's 25 is now engaging and be getting married and
2: you no know, way after, john you look too young yeah
1: Yeah, I feel too young. I feel like I'm 25. But I was sitting there with that kid and I'm thinking to myself all the goals and dreams. And like, if this, if I'm disabled and the kid can't go to college, that's, you know, that's a, like, that's terrible. Like, that's like the worst thing, like to be alive and experiencing all the dreams and goals that you couldn't get to, right? Mm -hmm. So this is about about achieving that. But keep going with what you were talking about. I rudely interrupted you.
2: No, I think that's great. That goes back to what I originally said at the beginning. It's, it's that domino effect. Who else does this disability affect? You know, when someone passes away, it's obviously a, it's, it's a horrible, it's a terrible, it's an emotional thing. Um, when you have a disability, and especially one that goes for a long extended period of time, how many other lives, how many other goals, dreams does that affect? And it's, it's a terrible domino effect. One thing that I want to say real quick about waiver of premium, because you brought it up. um, Waiver of premium is an absolute must to have on your life insurance policy. What a lot of people don't know is that waiver of premium only kicks in if you're totally disabled. So if your client is totally disabled, waiver of premium on their life policy will kick in. It'll pay their premiums. And a lot of times those premiums, the life policies are used to help supplement retirement. So there's a purpose there. That's part of their dreams. It's part of their personal and professional goals. It's on that, that yellow pad and that you're going to sit with your client and, and walk through. If you are someone who has a partial disability and maybe they're only able to work half the time, 30% of the time, no one knows how just how disabled you'll be as a partially disabled person, but are you still going to be able to make those premiums for that life policy? Is it going to affect that life policy? So while the waiver premium is great, you don't ever want to just depend on that because you do have to be totally disabled. Um, about 70% of claims initially start as partial disability claims. So it's a great start, but they also need to know it's not a definite that it's going to pay those premiums. So that's just another reason to have that conversation about them getting their own plan.
1: And I want to hit something that you that prompted when we were sitting here, when, when you said that one of the most important parts of a disability for policy for a professional for when you're buying coverage on the open market that's not group-based is the concept of own occupation. Mm -hmm. And would you spend a little time talking about how valuable and what is own occupation?
2: Sure. Sure. Um, So own occupation is, um, let's step back here for just a moment. So within a disability policy, whether it's an individual policy or it's a group policy, um, through your employer. The definition of disability is kind of your meat and potatoes of your policy. So it's, it's, the, it's the part of the contract that really will tell if you are eligible to get a benefit from your policy. The way the definition of disability is written is going to determine whether or not you're able to file a claim and to get your benefit. Um, with professionals, uh, and I was include in there anyone who has a specialty, physicians, dentists, anyone with, a, with a, um, a certain level of education, if they are highly educated and they have to specialize trainings or licenses, attorneys, engineers, executives, those who hold a special skill set really should have what we call a pure own occupation or a true own occupation, And basically what that does, it protects your specialty. It protects your specialty, the education, the sacrifices you've made being in school and away from your families. Basically what that definition says is if you're unable to do the duties of your occupation, your specialty, but even if you're able to do something else, you can earn your benefit from the contract and also continue to earn a living as well. So, you know, I, I we most common use the, the example of someone who's a physician. You've got someone who's a surgeon. Their whole life, their whole livelihood is right here. One of the top disability claims, diagnosis, or reasons that disability claims are filed are muscular skeletal, which includes arthritis. So if you're a surgeon and you're unable to perform the surgeries, and that is your job, that is your, your specialty, that is your how you make your living... And you have, it may start as a mild case of arthritis and become a much, arthritis doesn't really get better. It gets worse over time. So if you've got someone, if you're someone who it gets worse and it comes to a point where you're completely unable to perform surgeries, but you're able to teach at a medical school or maybe consult for a practice or consult for a hospital, you can earn your benefit from your disability policy because you're not able to do the duties of a surgeon but you're getting paid in another occupation. That's really, really important. There are some contracts out there um, that may have a modified version of that where they will um, that will be your definition of disability maybe the first two years, but then it comes to what they call in any occupation after the first two years. And we see that most common with group plans, which basically says after the first two years you've been on claim because you're unable to perform surgeries, at that point, if you're able to do anything at all based on your education, training, and experience, you're no longer eligible to get your benefit. You no longer meet that definition of disability. So that then, again, goes back into understanding your contract, not just taking for granted, I've got disability insurance, I must be okay.
1: And that nuance, that any that any occupation versus own occupation, I think is crucial, right? Absolutely. And then having... Like just thinking about the physician, and years ago, I I have um, a client. He's no longer with us, but he um, he was an eye surgeon, and he blew his back, and he couldn't do surgery anymore. But he could do exams for the practice, and he did the exams. He was earning money, but he was collecting his full disability benefit um, life, and he had purchased lifetime, um, mm-hmm. and he was lifetime benefit tax free. And that's one of the keys that people don't really understand is that the benefit is if the group plan, if the company's paying for it, that benefit is taxable to you. But if you're paying for it with after-tax dollars, that benefit is received completely income tax free. Um, It is a wonderful benefit when you're receiving it. (laughs)
2: Uh, Absolutely. But, and I think, again, we kind of keep circling back to the education piece of it. Um, You know, you and I both know um, someone, it's a colleague who was a physician who became disabled. And, you know, she fortunately had an individual policy and she also had her group benefits through her employer, who was a major health system um, in the country. And she became disabled while she was working, while she was doing her physician duties went to go file her claim and they said they would not pay her because she, her policy had strict language in there. They would not cover her if she became disabled on the job. So here's someone who works for a major job on the job. So her plan said, If you become disabled on the job, they would not cover you. So thank God she, when she was in school, she purchased a policy um, with an individual disability company and she's protected it has the pure and occupation. So she is able to do something else. She does have a completely separate career today. She's making money there and she's getting her full benefit from, um, from her individual disability policy. But if she, if she had relied just on, plan from her employer which a lot of people do she would have been without any sort of income and here's someone who was a mom she's got two boys um you know she's got she's living the lifestyle of a physician all of that again would have come to a stop her personal professional goals would have stopped i have a i do have a um a woman who recently applied for disability insurance this is this is a really sad situation she applied for disability insurance um, just recently with us, and she is within her first year as an, as an emergency room physician um, up in Rhode Island, and she was offered disability insurance when she was in school, and they have great plans when you're in school. Residents get great disability opportunities for, for coverage and discounts and so forth. Um, kind of the rule of thumb with any professional, but I say especially with women, especially with women is you are never any younger than you are today, and you're never any healthier than you are today. Get the coverage. Women file more claims. Uh, we, It's just, if you are a female professional or a female that's in the workforce, get your coverage as soon as possible. And she kept putting it off. She kept putting it off when she was in school. She starts her first year in the emergency room in 2020. Guess what her year was like with COVID? I mean, I'm getting goosebumps. It's such a sad situation. Um, She was in the emergency room, not prepared for any of this. It's really sad. And she ended up having a breakdown, a mental breakdown. And she um, went in and she went into an inpatient treatment facility. She was being um, cared for from a mental so, you know, she was highly depressed, a lot of anxiety, couldn't sleep. She was seeing things she had never seen before in her life. Um, was got better, got well, is on medication. Went to apply for disability insurance, and immediately was turned down by the carriers because it was so recent. Um, mental mm-hmm. nervous claims and mental nervous diagnosis is one of the top claims as well. And it makes people very nervous. It makes insurance companies very nervous because it's hard to diagnose and there are so many claims out there for it. And plus, just with the insurance industry right now, nobody really knowing what's gonna happen with COVID and and so forth. It makes a lot of insurance companies very nervous. So she is initially postponed for coverage. She has to wait at least another six months. So she doesn't have any disability coverage other than what her employer gave her. Which does not include mental nervous coverage. So she was out of work, had no money coming in whatsoever, and she's not insurable for at least another six months. I mean, it's it again, I get goosebumps because it's it's just it's really very sad because again, that's something, John, it goes back to you saying she could have done it. She kept putting it off. She paid her cell phone bill instead. You know, she got her streaming services. Instead, she kept saying, I'll get it later, I'll get it later. Now she doesn't have anything at all. And she's got a permanent exclusion. She'll never get coverage for mental nervous ever, ever.
1: And I think, you know, as we kind of wrap this up and we, and and we, we discuss this, like one of the things that we do in our planning process, and we'll do this for anybody that's listening today, um, we'll prepare a free disability report where we simulate, you know, what it is that would happen if you were disabled today And we'll do a review of your current coverage and we'll give you, you know, an options of what's out there that could improve upon it. And if you come back and it's everything's perfect, then you should be really, really happy. But that's the key is digging into, you know, like if I built a foundation in my house and it looked like a wonderful concrete wall and it was, you know, beautiful poured concrete, but the, you know, it was all bad. Like it was just bad, bad, bad material and it's crumbling. The house is going to come down. It doesn't matter how beautiful the house. doesn't matter how strong the beams were up in the third floor and the second floor. You know, the house is coming down because the foundation is bad. The most important asset is your ability to earn income and to get up every day and push through, you know, the day and, and make the results and then save money and accumulate money. All that stops. You know, your 401k stops. Your savings, it stops. By law, you can't even put the money into the 401k because you won't have any earned income, right? So you start, you know, like you start thinking about it. Now is the time to assess where you are, and if you happen to be listening to the podcast and you're, you know, closer into your 60s, you should be considering, you know, long term care as an alternative to it because that's the next disability. If you made it to 65 and you've retired, now you got to go from 65 to you know 100 plus or minus. That's where the you know, the next end of this thing just morphs into completely different types of strategies, which we can talk about, you know, most of the disability policies today have what's called a, a, um, it's like a terminal illness writer, right? Catastrophic. Really what it it's a, is.
2: Yeah. It's a catastrophic,
1: catastrophic writer. Thing. Yep. Yeah. And the catastrophic writer says, well, let's say I bought, you know, 7,000 a month in, in disability coverage, but I satisfy two of the six daily living benefits, I can't bathe myself, feed myself, change myself, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to get up to maybe another $7,000 a month tax-free. That's what you want. And you don't want to have your spouse to have to take care of you. You want to be able to get people to come in and take care of you, to you know remain with your dignity. Um, Closing remarks from the group here. What do you guys want to say as you're leaving this wonderful podcast on that wonderful topic? I've
3: got a couple topic. points I want to make. Um. actually Alicia ed- educated me on this about uh, the resi- so we were talking about own, occupi- own occupation rider and then Alicia you also were talking about partial disability which is basically called the residual rider on the policy right and um, when I first started doing the D- DI I didn't use the residual rider a lot until you enlightened me on that and said it's one of the most used riders in, in at, at your insurance company. And I went, well, that's saying something then. Like, I, I'm not I'm not thinking that right, you know? So um, I just want to make that point. And by the way, when we were talking about the waiver premium on the life insurance, and you had, at least you had mentioned cancer earlier on, I had a situation where a husband was dying of cancer and didn't have the waiver premium on his life insurance. And he... And in like the eleventh hour, realized they had missed paying the payments on the life insurance and knew there was no life insurance because he knew he was on his way out. So again, like it, it just helps you in those weird situations, whether it's the life insurance waiver premium or obviously when you're still you're 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 gonna make it, you're gonna stick around, but maybe you're not the same person you were before because of this either physical or or you know health issue that you run into. Um and the other point I'll make is for everybody listening is and you were kind of ta- you were talking about Alicia about you know let's say somebody new in the industry or even I have to say some of the people that have been in the industry they're more seasoned people they get and even even our maybe when you go to the insurance agent to get life insurance people understand oh my God if I if I'm no longer here there is a problem with my plan right but that and I've had this conversation with other agents and I was kind of flabbergasted and they said. And I asked them about disability, and they said, no, it's too, it's too hard to get a point across to them." And obviously, you've heard John, and, and, and I, you know, I'm the same way, is that, well, if you can't work anymore, and I loved your analogy of writing it just simply on a piece of yellow paper saying, here are my goals for the next 10, 15, 20, whatever the, the length is, and you basically say, well, if you're not working, just start crossing those off, because it, it's not happening. Right, right. Like which, is, which
1: if, of these which of these goals are dependent upon your ability to get up and work? Yeah, right. Check, so check, check, or you check, simply check, ask, so what's, for, "What's the
2: one thing you need for all of these? What is the one thing that you need in order to achieve every single one of these?" Right. And whether it's the ability to work or or, or cash flow coming in, it, it's all one and the same.
3: Cash so flow. I think the agent is doing a disservice to to the individuals. They have to get that point across because you're you're not doing the right job for the client. They may hate it and not want to do it, and that's fine, but you better lay it out for them. And and as simple as you said, like, okay, like, like John, which one of these don't you want? Okay. Like, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, we laughing about it. Like we're kind of chuckling about it because it's so moronic in some respects. Like it's not that hard. And listen, they still may not want to do it, but that's fine. You, but you need to present it to them because that's our job. Our, you know, when we sit down with clients, Sean and I, you know, our job—I heard this today—we're financial first responders. Okay, that's a
2: great analogy. I love job, that. I love right? that.
3: Yeah, we're sitting down and we're finding—we got a triage. We got a problem. We got to make sure everything works. Everything's good. Yeah, you know, if, if we got to put you in the ambulance to do some serious things, we get like, you know. So I, I digress yeah. a little bit, but it's. Um,
1: but this you know, is this is the most important thing, right? You have to know what you have and you need to simulate if something happened yesterday, what's happening today, because you can't go buy it today. You can only buy it before it happens. Mm -hmm. You can only own it, purchase it, acquire it. And even if you work for a big employer, it could be open enrollment. You got to wait till November or whatever an open enrollment is, right? Right. You can't just elect in and opt into these things, you know, in certain categories. But I urge you to understand what it is that you have and simulate your strategy with and without that coverage, and go into your budget, the yellow pad, and find the money to to acquire this if you
3: don't have it, because right. it's You're... the most
1: important part of the plan.
3: The magic right. question, John, that we talked, and you, you've taught me this, you said, if you knew you were going to be disabled yesterday, how much coverage would you have? Would you do yeah, a budget? Would you have a little? It out? I, I only need. <laughs> the I only most need the, a most month. Only need, the most <laughs> the you, you can have.
2: The most you can have. Give me the max. <laughs> the most.
1: Give me the max. How much can I get? Oh, I can get ten thousand a month. Oh, let me have it. I let want, me have all of it. Two. I only need two. I only need two thousand. Go on. Let's not be. Let's be morons here, right? But you know, here, here's what my feeling is: take action. Do this. We've got a. We've got a whole series of podcasts on here that are dedicated to this. We have reports. We have all kinds of things that are here to help you. Alicia, you mentioned a website, um, disability. What was that? What was the website?
2: It's disabilitycanhappen.org. And it's not Wonderful
1: website. It's Wonderful. not
2: driven by an insurance company. They've got great statistics on your chances of becoming disabled, and you know how you can prepare for disability. It's got statistics on and resources on Social Security, long term disability. Um, it's got a ton of information, and it, it's again, it's not driven by an insurance company. There, it's specifically just to help educate people on disability. Um, and if I could say. Just one thing, kind of a closing re- closing remark, and, and it's crazy because I actually got some information today that I thought was just you know I'm not I'm not surprised by it, but it just came at perfect timing for this podcast. So we've, we've talked several times about people getting um, having employer plans, and you keep you're talking about get educated. Let's do a review of what you have. Um, you know, I had a, a client or an agent of mine come to me and say he had just got a memo from one of the largest group plans out there where they're looking at modifying the limitations within the contract. So so here's a word that I want everyone to keep in mind. You know, pure own occupation is important. Residual. I personally think one, one of the most important terms when you're talking about disability is non cancelable non-cancelable when you own a policy that is yours it is your individual policy it is non-cancelable if you're paying the premiums the insurance company cannot change what they cover they can't cover the change the terms the contractual features premiums are level they will not change whether you're 30 and then you become 65 and it's not going to change that is Imagine, so your auto policy
1: that way. Imagine your auto policy it's that way. So you have a bunch of accidents. They can't raise rates on you.
2: Imagine that. that. It's so important. Group plans, your plan through your employer is not non cancelable So I'll tell you what some of these carriers now are thinking. We don't know what's going to happen with COVID. Do we add that as a limitation? Uh-huh. I've seen policies just recently that had limitations on migraines, on anything having to do muscular skeletal, and anything having to do with mental nervous. Top two claims for disability, muscular, skeletal, mental health. Right there, your policy doesn't cover it. And with no one knowing, this is not to get into any sort of political anything, nobody knows what's going to happen with COVID. We don't know the mental aspect of it. I had that poor woman try to apply for coverage. She was denied. She had a panic attack, a breakdown, working inside of the ER. She's not eligible for coverage. We don't know what the phys- physiological you know, what's going to happen with, with the vaccines and so forth. These carriers are already now starting to think, do we limit that? When you have your own individual policy, they cannot just change it on you. So that non-cancelable is, is, it's so important. If there's one term people take away today, it's non-cancelable. I don't, people don't want change. You don't want your policy to change. So those are my closing remarks. <laughs> so i those closing
1: remarks. This was wonderful. Always good to hear from you. Great to hear from you, too. Alicia, Thanks. thank you for being on. If you're listening to this, after you go to the disabilitycanhappen.org, you need to go to smallwoodwealth.com and get some of the free resources that we have available for you. And if you want, just send the email saying, I'd like the free disability report to client services at smallwoodwealth.com. And we're ready to go. Or call us the old-fashioned way at 800-797-1000.
2: Uh thank you so thank you so much for having me. Take care.
1: Stay always well. fun. Always fun. Thank you.
0: Wealth Curve Talk with John L. Smallwood is brought to you by Smallwood Wealth Management, an investment advisor representative. Strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone, and the information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action as information and or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Smallwood Wealth Management provides content that is true and accurate as of the date of publishing. However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this website or podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, misleading, or defamatory statements.